I want to, uh, before I introduce um, Pastor and- Andresen, I want to tell you that, um, are we all coming in or are we still hanging in the foyer? Here we come. Rob Lemire, would you stand up, please? Rob has been running a, a yard sale metal pickup to raise money for the missions. Going to do one more week of that. If you've got metal things that you want to get rid of, they're going to get a group of guys together in some trucks and come and get it and sell it and give money to the missions account. Great time. Get a hold of him. See him afterwards. And uh, let's you know, support the mission effort of our church, all right? And I, w- I want to introduce our speaker because um, I, he wrote this book. It's called Power to Pray, God's Immense Purposes for Simple Prayers. And I want to tell you, it's so impacting, and I'm putting in a plug for it. I don't think he has another copy here with him, but if you can go wherever you got to go to buy it, you should get it. Vineyard Resources, there you go. (laughs) That's how you can get this book. But I want to read you something from it because it's pretty powerful, and it's for everyone, whether you are not a Christian, are a Christian, want to be, have been, whatever, it's for you. But let me just read you this little thing that has stayed with me since I read it. I strongly suspect that if we saw all the differences, even the tiniest of our prayers make, in all the people those little prayers were destined to affect, and all the consequences of those prayers down through the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we would be unable to get off our knees for the rest of our lives. Is that powerful? I want to introduce you to Don Andresen. He's going to be our speaker today. Listen to what he has to say. Thank you, Martha. Hey, it's great to be here. We have been visiting, uh, this is our third week, which means we've been on vacation for, well, two weeks, and then we go to leadership meetings next week. But uh, for those of you who don't know anything about me, my dad in 1943, which I remember just like it was yesterday, um, thank you, uh, purchased property near Alton Bay, between Alton Bay and Wolfboro, with a purpose to start a vision that had been with him since being a kid of starting a Christian boys' camp uh, called Brookwoods and then ultimately a girls' camp, Deer Run, still operating today. And uh, my brother has a house beside it that he lets us use from time to time, and uh, that's why we're here. It's been great to meet uh, Dick and Martha and get a little of their history, and then as we come back every year, see what's happening. And I just want to say it's a great, just a great pleasure always to come and visit, and that's thanks to you guys. Uh, you're very warm, welcoming, and love Jesus, and it shows. Um, this morning, I'd like to talk about this healing and the God-empowered life, and just think at the beginning for a minute about what it is that God has been up to for such a very long time. And realize that we are part of a strategy that he has had in his heart and mind literally for millennia and began to show it. And I just want to go back to one little verse in Numbers chapter 11 at the beginning here. 
Because Numbers chapter 11 describes an event in Israel's history early on in which the promise of God, the heart of God, the purpose and plan of God, like gets a little play. And you maybe remember the story, Moses is leading the people of Israel, there's always problems, and God says, I'm going to set some of the spirit that I placed on you on others. So call 70 elders from the people, gather them in a meeting, and I will put my spirit on them. And you may remember that a couple of people decided not to show up. Meeting, who needs a meeting? I don't know if you've ever been like that yourself, but... Uh, these two are in the camp. The Spirit of God falls on the 70 who get, get at the meeting. And Joshua, Moses' second in command, gets really mad. And he comes up to Moses and says, Moses, those two guys who didn't come to the meeting, they're getting the same thing the guys who came to the meeting are getting. And Moses says this interesting thing. It's found in verse 29. Are you jealous, says Moses? Are you jealous for my sake? Because these guys didn't come to my meeting. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. What I'm interested in is the heart of God, which is to become truly partnering with his people. From the very beginning, God intended that there be a partnership on earth between him and us. It's not that God can't do whatever he wants to do. It's that he chooses to work with us because he wants us to be partners. And from the very, very beginning of this plan that we're still in the process of, of unfolding today, God is saying, I am going to place my spirit upon absolutely every single one of the Lord's people. You know, just interesting seeing the four folks who are coming up here heading for Ghana. I mean, how much do they look like what you imagine Jesus would look like at the age of 30? Muscular, strong, radiating, who knows what. Well, they look like the rest of us, not much like that image that we would have. And yet, they are the ones with whom God is partnering to accomplish his purpose by going to Ghana. As they go, Jesus goes. Jesus is already there, but he's going with them. This partnership thing is really at the center of the heart of God. How much could God do if his partners were actually doing the partnering? And that, I think, is the question that I would like us to think about this morning. Are we really partnering with God in the way that he intends us to partner with him? Because I just believe he has way more that he would like to do in and through us than we're ready to allow him to do. Sometimes it's because we have our own life to live. A lot of times it's just because we don't think God could ever use me like that. Way fast forward into Luke, Luke chapter 10. Jesus has come. Jesus is now implementing this promise of the Father, which is we, we could read literally hundreds of scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about this thing that God is going to do of bring his spirit and placing him on his people. Luke chapter 10. Jesus appoints 70 of his disciples. And by the way, the number 70, which is in the Old Testament numbers, 70 elders, 
70 disciples of Jesus. Why 70? 70 represents all the nations of the earth. I'm not going to go into that this morning, but 70 is the number of all the Gentile nations. It's a figure of speech that refers to all the people. So as all the elders, the 70 come, God is saying, I'm going to put my spirit on all the Lord's people in every nation. And when Jesus comes and anoints the 70 disciples to be sent out, he's saying, and they represent, by the way, this plan of God, that there's going to be disciples in in every nation to every nation. We are part of that 70. We're here today not as the people of Israel. We're here as the people from whom Israel uh, was given this great strategy to carry out, and we are here today as that 70. What, what did Jesus say to the 70? Go and proclaim the kingdom of God is here and heal the sick. When he sent them out, he sent them out with this message, the kingdom of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God has now come And by the way, I'm not just talking about it. I am demonstrating it. See, the proclamation that God has sent us to bring is not just words that we say, something that we believe. It is something we do because it's something we have. When Jesus says, I want you to be born again, what he's saying is, I want you to have the life of heaven that is in me, in you. You are no longer people who look at the truth and say, ah, that's true. You are people who carry the truth in you. And here's the truth. God has come to be in the earth. Now, he's not here in fullness yet, but he's here in a lot fuller way than he was before you believed in Jesus because he's now taken residence in you. And the Spirit of God that was in Jesus is now available for you because God wants to work through you as his partner to do things that you can't do that only he can do. This is not something reserved for a few. This is the significance of the 70. It's not reserved for a few. It is meant for all. The church of Jesus Christ is the most explosive strategy God could ever design because no longer is he located in one place He's located everywhere his people are. And his partnership strategy means that as we take hold of that fact and actually do something with that fact, God gets to do stuff that he wants to do. And without us doing it, he doesn't. So he sends out the 70, says, now tell everybody, the kingdom of God is now right in your town. It's right here on your streets. The same kingdom that God is king of in heaven is now here, present on earth. And that's why we're going to heal the sick. Because where God's will gets done, people get healed. You know, one of the most amazing things that I realized one day when I was thinking about people who really have a spectacular like ministry and healing, was that every one of them believes God wants to heal everybody right now. I grew up in the church. I mean, I've been in church all my life. I grew up in a great church in Boston called Park Street Church. Still there, still a great church. I don't think I ever heard this taught, but it certainly was communicated by what was done. Whenever we prayed for 
the sick, it was always like this. Lord, if it is your will, may they be healed. And it seems right. I mean, like, okay, if God doesn't want something to happen, then we shouldn't be praying for it. But we prayed as though we didn't know. And what I discovered in these people who have great healing ministries was all of them believed God's will was always now heal. Now, does God always heal? Well, no. But the issue that these people realized was it's not that God doesn't want to, it's that we're in the middle of a battle and there's a lot of other factors involved. It's sort of like saying, I'm going to send you in the Second World War to take Normandy Beach. The will of the army and the will of the generals and the will of the President of the United States and Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of, of, of England, is that you take the beach. But are you going to get resistance? Oh, yeah. Will some of you die on the way? Oh, yeah. And that's the situation that we are in right now. We are in the battle zone. We're in the war zone. But God's will wants to heal. You know, when John Wimber, who was the vineyard founder, uh, when he first stepped over that line of, is it your will, into it is your will all the time, it was an experience of the first person he ever prayed for who got healed. Now, he prayed for a lot of people who didn't get healed. In fact, for 11 months in their church, every single week, morning and evening service, he taught on God's healing. Then he'd invite people up to get prayer for healing, and nobody got healed. Nobody for 11 months. It was very discouraging. In fact, it got so discouraging that the elder said, John, can we please at least take the people who want to be prayed for behind the curtain on the stage so that we don't get embarrassed by them not, nothing happening? And we, okay, you can do it behind the stage. And as he said, you know, the only thing that happened was we got sick instead of people that we were praying for getting well. But one morning, he got a call and went to a house to pray for a wife who was in bed sick. And as he prayed for her, he turned his back on her to turn to the husband and say, by the way, you know, God doesn't always heal, and here's da-da-da-da-da. And behind him, the woman rose out of that bed, healed. Yes, we got one. He's driving back on the freeways of Los Angeles, and suddenly there's not a cloud in the sky, but he sees the sky filled with clouds. And it's just so amazing, he pulls over to the side of the road to look at this because he realizes those aren't clouds, that is a honeycomb. And the honeycomb is dripping honey. And as he looks at this vision with his eyes open, he sees people underneath that cloud with the honey falling on them, and some people are like, yuck, this is sticky, this is, yuck, get me out of here. There are other people who are taking the honey, they're drinking the honey, this is delicious. We love this. Give me more. And the Lord then spoke to him these words that changed his life. Never again beg me for healing. That is my mercy. And suddenly John was just overwhelmed with the unbelievable vastness of the mercy of God being poured on the earth through his partners. And the result of mercy is what? Healing. It's the mercy of God 
that wants to heal every single person. And that's the partnership that Jesus anointed those 70 to go out and not just proclaim, but do. Now, here's the deal. They come back. They report, wow, these awesome things happened. This is just great. Jesus says, well, listen, that's awesome. I saw Satan falling like, like a star, you know, out of heaven. But then he says this really, really interesting thing. Luke chapter 10, verse 23. When they were alone, he turned to the disciples and he said this, Blessed are the eyes that see what you've seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. What have the disciples just seen and heard? I'll tell you what it wasn't. What they didn't just see and hear was Jesus healing the sick and proclaiming the kingdom. What they didn't see was Jesus going and casting out demons. What they didn't see was Jesus feeding the multitudes. What did they see? Them doing it. The thing that kings and prophets knew and looked forward to and couldn't wait, wish they could see themselves, was not Jesus, but Jesus' people, the people of God doing God's stuff. It's the partnership into which he has called us. And here's just a simple question. You don't need to answer. When was the last time you prayed for someone for healing? You know what I've discovered? When I pray for people for healing, not everybody gets healed. But if I don't pray for anybody, nobody gets healed. It's just a simple fact. And what God is working on, always has been working on, and is working on right now, is lifting up his strategy in the hearts of his people so that as his partners, we can get it done. You know, we're in a very interesting time. I don't know that we'll know how interesting a time it is until like a few years down the road. But I think all of us know enough to know this is a really key time. You know, when, when Jesus came to the earth, he came at a very key time in human history. And God did not send him to take over the throne of the emperor, the Caesar. What did he do? He sent him out to proclaim the kingdom of God is here and heal the sick. And I believe the same thing is true today. Within 300 years, that uh, Roman power had been turned upside down by the kingdom of God, and that Roman Empire was filled with on-fire believers in Jesus who were healing the sick and casting out demons and proclaiming the message of the kingdom. We have the same strategy today. We need to vote and pray, but we need to do what God's intention is, which is in our neighborhoods, in our coffee shops, in our uh, families, in our streets, be on the lookout to pray for people announcing, you know, the kingdom of God is here. And I want to pray for you, may I, and see God show up. There is a uh, series of simple things that have been very helpful to me in seeing 
people prayed for and actually getting results done. Um, for the last, oh man, I don't know, 16 years now, we have been targeted uh, with a few other vineyard churches on the nation of Spain. And uh, in those years, we started with uh, no vineyard churches at all. Today, there are, I think, six or seven vineyard churches in various stages of development. Um, and we've been going into the streets of Spain. We've been in the plazas of Spain, worshiping outdoors, praying, interceding, uh, meeting people. And uh, it's a very difficult place for the gospel. It's just very, very it's a hard place. You think New England's hard, Spain's worse. And um, the last three years, in each of the ministry trips we've taken, where we've had uh, conferences or, 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 or meetings, the last three years, there has been an explosion of healing. So that, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to exaggerate, but I would say that in the last three years, every single person with almost no exceptions that we prayed for has been healed. It's like, what is this? Um, and all kinds of things. So I've never, I've never uh, in my own experience, you know, prayed for someone who couldn't hear and have them hear. But in this last year in Spain, that's what happened. I've never had uh, a lump that I could see visibly, pray for and see it disappear. Uh, I've never seen skin close over a wound. But there was a, a man, diabetic, with an open wound on his foot. And uh, as we prayed over about a half an hour period of time, the skin closed over an open wound. That's awesome. But, you know, those kinds of things are also happening right here in River City. Well, Kingston, Laconia. Yeah. You don't, you, don't, you don't remember that old, uh, whatever it was, you know, musical? Yeah, Music Man, there you go. See, somebody knows that. Right here in River City. Um, the last time I was at our church, I was praying for a gal. She's from the south. She's from New Orleans. New Orleans. And uh, very, like, glamorous-looking girl, you know, like hair just perfectly coiffed, uh, however you say that. And, um, you know, just beautifully. She's a beautiful face. And... She's been in our church for a while, but this is the first time I've ever seen her come up to ask for prayer. And uh, there had been a word about backs, and she came forward. I said, uh, you know, what's the matter? Um, I said, well, you know, since the age of 22, I've had a back problem. And uh, at the age of 22, she left following Jesus for other things. And in, at that point, her back became chronically uh, painful. And uh, she had various treatments, nothing's worked. So I said, well, great, let's pray. And uh, as I prayed for her, after a while, you know, I said, well, how's it going? Well, she said, you know, uh, it's sort of like there's a string through my back right up to the top of my head. And when you put your hand on my head, that string was being pulled and I could feel myself just straightening out. I said, well, how's the pain? If, if, if when we started the pain was about a 10, what is it now? And she said, well, it's about a, I, I don't know, it's about, a, it's about a three. A three? That's awesome. Let's pray some more. So we prayed some more and went down to a zero. 
That's proclaiming the kingdom and seeing the will of God getting done. And I want to just share eight simple things that have really helped me in seeing success when I pray for healing. Not everybody I pray for gets healed yet, uh, unless I'm in Spain. But, uh, and by the way, it's not me. It's our whole team. I mean, it's not, you understand. Okay, here's number one. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come right where you are praying. Now, is the Holy Spirit in me right now? Yes. Uh, is he in this room? Absolutely. Why should I then invite him to come when I'm praying for a particular person? Well, think about it this way. Let's suppose just a spectacular healing person. Um, Catherine Kuhlman, let's say, comes back from the dead and slips into the service, and she's sitting right there in the back row. And I'm up here, I'm talking, and I reckon, Catherine Kuhlman is back there. Wow, that's awesome. Hey, how you doing? But I keep on going, do my own thing, pray for people. We would never see the anointing that Catherine Kuhlman has in this service, would we? No. But if I were to say, Catherine, why don't you come to the front? Let everybody see you. What would we get? We'd get her and her anointing. You realize when the vineyard was in that early transition where John Wimber was doing that thing, teaching on healing, the Lord spoke to him one day and said, I want you to invite a particular person to speak in your Sunday night service. And John said, I don't think so. God says, yes, you need to. He was a little afraid because this person by the name of Lonnie Frisbee, was, he was on the wild side, to put the least. But John said, okay, Lord, if you want me to do that, I will. He invited him. Lonnie came to the service and shared his testimony. And as Lonnie shared his testimony, John began to relax a little more and a little more because nothing's, you know, weird going on and that's half that's good. Lonnie finishes his testimony. John Wimber's perfectly relaxed when all of a sudden Lonnie says, and by the way, you've been grieving the Holy Spirit because you have not invited him to be present in your meetings. Come, Holy Spirit. And at that moment, there was a group of uh, young people in the back, about 25 or 26 from Talbot Seminary, who had come to visit the service because they'd heard growth, spiritual, I mean, church growth was happening. We want to see what's going on. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hit them. And one after another after another went down. And then Lonnie pointed over here, and boom, more people went down. He pointed over there, more people went down. Pretty soon, it's pandemonium, and one of the elders got filled with the Holy Spirit, fell on top of the microphone, and began shouting in tongues. This was not like what they had anticipated. And what John learned at that moment and then communicated from that point on in his ministry was inviting the Holy Spirit counts. You know, it's like we're stepping aside and saying, as your junior partner, senior partner, would you come and do what only you can do? We're asking the Spirit to come front and center. Number two, simple thing. We all have the authority of Jesus himself. We all have the authority of Jesus himself. That's what he himself told us. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you 
go. And you share everything that I have commanded you or taught you or given over to train you in your life. You know, I used to think that those words in Matthew chapter 28 meant, um, you've heard all my teaching, and now repackage it and teach it. But I came to understand, really, disciple, a better word for disciple is apprentice. They learned how to be apprentices to the one who did the healing so that they could go and heal. When Jesus said, you go and make disciples, he was saying, here's what I'm doing with the authority the Father has given me. I'm giving it to you. You know, when Jesus was with the Roman centurion, the Roman centurion said, would you please heal my servant? He's sick. But by the way, you don't even need to come to my house because I recognize you, like me, are under authority. And because I'm under authority, I can say to so-and-so, do this, and they've got to do it. Because you're under authority, you can do the same thing. Jesus was using the authority of his Father when he was on earth. Then he got the authority, and now he's using that authority to give to us to be used on earth as it is in heaven. How much do you think it would count if you were out here driving on the street, there was some road work going on, and a one-week-old uh, in, 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 in uniform officer stood out there in the street and said, stop. And you said, hey, you've only been at it for a week. Forget it. I mean, if, if you're 30 years in the force, okay, I'll obey. But like one week, I don't think so. The same authority rests on the one-week-old recruit as it does on the guy who's been there for 30 years. The same authority of Jesus rests on every single one of you, whether you've been a Christian for a week or for 30 years. It's not your authority. It's not my authority. It's his authority, and he gives it to everybody. So when we pray, instead of being weak-kneed and, you know, wishy-washy, and, well, Lord, I think I will. I don't know if it's going to be. Get somebody else to pray. It would be a lot better than me. Are you kidding? You have exactly the same authority because there is no more that can be given to Jesus and no more that can be given to us. So pray in that way. Number three, pray again and again. See, God wants to heal. Why, if I just say, be healed in Jesus' name, is not everybody healed? It's not that God is saying, ah, no, I don't want to do it now. It's that there's some other things going on. We are in a battle zone. We are in the territory of the one who says, I'm going to steal, I'm going to kill, I'm going to destroy as much as I possibly can. And if you think you can just take it away from me, think again. You know, we often demean Satan. Wow, he's, you know, greater is us than he that's in the world. Absolutely true. But that doesn't mean that he is in the world, doesn't have a lot of power. He does. God has not simply taken it away from him. God is saying, I'm sending my partners out into his territory so that he can be taken from the ground up. And when you go against him, who's the bringer of sickness, 
who's the bringer of cancer, who's the bringer of injury, who's the bringer of problems, you're going against a significantly powerful foe. Don't just think you can say, hey, and it's done. You've got to pray again and again. Persistence in prayer is something that will yield greater results than no persistence. I'm a guy, I don't know, maybe you're like this too, I would like to see once and done. I prayed, okay, that's it, you know, it's all I got. It doesn't work that way. We were at a conference about a year and a half ago, and I, I was, I'm, you know, I'm learning myself. And uh, Robbie Dawkins was speaking, and he had a couple of guys up with him. And uh, was somebody here with a back problem, I think he had some bone spurs. person came forward. Yes, multiple bone spurs and a severe back condition, severe pain. So, Robbie, I loved it. Okay, I'm not going to pray for you. These guys are going to pray for you. So they started praying for him. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. Anything happening? Nope. Okay, great. Pray, pray, pray. After about the sixth time, he sensed something different. And there was one of the bone spurs that seemed to be reducing. Great. They prayed some more. They prayed for over half an hour. And they they counted it 27 times. And by the 27th time, every bone spur had gone. And the pain was completely, completely done. I said, wow, I, I would have gotten tired at least after 10 minutes. But there's something in prayer that we need to think of as we're contending for the will of God against an enemy who doesn't want to let go. It's not enough to simply pray once or twice. You know, we're praying for, Jer- is it Jeremy? You're- yeah, uh, in the first service, who has torn or split his foot, Achilles, tendons. And um, Nancy was praying for him, along with somebody else from your fellowship, who I don't know. And, uh, okay, what did we see? Well, we saw the swelling reduced, I mean, visibly reduced, about half of what it had been. And then also his pain level. He said it went from, I don't know what. Huh? 10 down to a 6 and the flexibility of his foot. And the coloring. That's right, the color, coloring, coloring changed. Now, he's, he had to go to some place. He was going to get more prayer. But um, it didn't happen just like that. It, it happens if we keep trying. It, now, it doesn't mean that... You don't sometimes pray, and okay, that's, okay, let's see what God does. You know, I was telling a story in the first service where uh, we prayed for a gal who had been injured on the job. She was a nurse technician or something, and an oxygen tank fell on her back, lower back, and she was on disability. She had two little kids on disability, um, and she got saved. Hallelujah, came to Jesus. And then we were in the home group one night and talking about healing, and she said, well, can you pray for me? I said, well, do you want to be healed? She said, well, of course I want to be healed. I said, are you sure? Because if you're healed, you're going to have to get off disability. You're going to have to go back to work. Ooh, she thought, hmm, I see what you mean. Yeah, I want to be healed. Okay. So we prayed for her, and uh, God came and healed her back completely. 
she was ecstatic. There's a woman in the, in the a little older. Oh, would you pray for my back? I've had a chronic back condition for years. And uh, so we prayed for her. Nothing happened. We prayed again. Nothing happened. Prayed again. Nothing happened. Okay, that's it. I can't do any more. Um, sent her home. That night, her husband was in bed. Lights are out. She's in the bathroom finishing up. Turns out the light in the bathroom to come into the dark bedroom, and all of a sudden, the way she described it was, it was like a, a uh, huge like ball of fire smashed into her back, and instantaneously there was a you know, ripple of pain, and then, boom, all the pain was gone. She screamed, ah! Her husband, who's in bed, he comes, what? What's happening? I just got healed. What? My back. So God does this, you know what I mean, time, time release capsules sometimes. But my point is that we need to pray, pray again. Don't stop till you hear, get some results. And now use this. This is number, number four. Um, this is so helpful. Use numbers as a measure. This has been one of the most practically helpful things I've ever come across. When someone is in pain, I'm praying for a guy this morning who has cancer. He's not in pain. There's no way of telling what God is doing. But I'm talking about situations where you are in pain. Okay, do this. Let's just suppose right now your pain is at a 10. As I pray, let's see what happens. If it started at a 10, what is it now? So asking uh, Jeremy... You know, if your pain started at 10, what is it now? I think about a 6. You know, I'm praying for a, uh, a guy. Oh, my goodness. And uh, he has, his back is in so much pain, he cannot tighten his belt because it puts pressure there. So we start praying for his back, and he, after a while, falls to his knees. And I'm thinking, awesome. You know, God is here. He's doing something. How you doing? It is so intense. I want to make you stop praying. I don't think I can take any more. Okay. It started at a 10. It's now up at like a 15. That's also a good sign. Really. Because it means something's happening. Something's going on. It's not just like nothing's going on. And within another five minutes, I'd say, suddenly, boom, pain left completely. He stood up. He started, like, dancing. Yes. He tightened his belt. Yes. Um, anyway, you know, we're meant to see actual results. And in order to do that, we need to use techniques, tools, just little things that are helpful. You know, if you have someone started at a 10 and they're now at a 5, you're encouraged to pray for the 4 or the 3 or the 2. And you know when you get to zero. So it's just very, very helpful. Number five, tell the truth. Create an atmosphere in which they know you're not lying and they're not going to lie. You know, so many times, well, I, there was a gal who was in our service and we had a particular focus on healing and she came up to the front and she was getting prayer. And, you know, what, how's it, how are you feeling now? And um, she said, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. Better? I mean, you know, like... Give us numbers. Oh, well, you know, da 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 da, da. Oh, About three weeks later, she comes into my office. You know, 
Nothing happened to me. Why did you say something happened to you? Well, you know, it's like it seems like it should have happened. That is not helping us. And so many times, you know, in the spirit of like God does wonderful things and is always good, we tell stories. Forget the stories. Let's tell the way it really is because that's what really counts. And so you need to be honest yourself and you need to create an atmosphere where the other people are going to be honest. Number six, the mission is to those who need to be invited, not just to the invited. See, right here uh, is a great place to pray for healing. It is. But this is really more like training ground for there because that's what we're partnered to do. Um, I was with my insurance agent, and a uh, new insurance agent, giving me new quotes. And as he came in to sit down with me, I noticed this black thing on his, his arm, his wrist. Ooh, okay, what's the matter with your wrist? I have carpal tunnel syndrome. And they had to be put this on six weeks ago. Nothing's better. It's just like bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, went through his presentation. I wrote him a check. And uh, stood up and then said, you know, can I pray for your wrist? And he looked at me and said, well, um, yeah, right now. Okay. Um, What do I do? I said, well, just relax, close your eyes, you know, um, and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and see what Jesus does. So he does that. And I said, um, you know, Jesus really loves you. Jesus, thank you for your love for Richard. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you now, come. And I began to pray for healing. And after a couple minutes, okay, how you feeling? By the way, this doesn't always happen. I wish it did. But you could just see the Spirit of God come down on him. And my insurance agent's eyes began to tear up and little tears down his cheeks. This is a good sign. Um, how you feeling? He looks at me. What was that? So that, that's the love of Jesus coming because he loves you. And he would love to show you what it means to follow him. And he looked at me. Oh, that's a bigger question. I have to think about that one. Good. So he got a Bible. And he's reading the Bible. That was Friday afternoon. Tuesday, I'm back in the office, and suddenly he comes into my office. Richard, where's your cast thing? Oh, it's not there because it's healed. So then I, I figured if, if God healed this, then I'm going to give it the biggest workout I could possibly do. So yesterday I gave it the biggest workout I could ever do, and it is absolutely fine. I said, how do you feel now? Freaked out. <laughs> okay, that's good. We're making progress. But see, God loves to do that out there rather than just in here. It's not for us. It's for them. You know, Jesus did not have a series of disciple healing meetings. I mean, you ever notice that? He brought his disciples to have the meetings out there. And uh, anyway, that's, uh, that, that, that's us too. And number seven, if that's true, and it is true, then we have to be intentional about doing that. You will not be praying for the sick out there unless you want to pray for the sick out there and make time to pray for the sick out there and be alert to pray for the sick out there. It just won't happen. 
and the enemy will keep you under wraps as long as he possibly can. And finally, number eight, our motive, which is Jesus' motive, is love, not power. You know, the Pharisees kept asking Jesus for a heavenly sign. He's healing the sick. You know, he's feeding 5,000 people. It's not enough. They want the power. And Jesus says, guess what? I came because God loved the world so much that he's willing to give his only son. And the message that we have to carry when we pray for people is God really loves you right where you are.